It's time for Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400, WDWS Champaign Urbana, where we talk all things Illini along with other area national sports. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. You can also email us at talk at wdws.com. Now, here are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with you until 11 o'clock this morning. Glad to have you with us on this soon-to-be hot and humid July Saturday morning with you till 11 o'clock. 356-9397 is the phone number. Got plenty to talk about on the show this morning. Mr. Tate, how are you getting along? Doing well. Having a little trouble with my earphones here, but other than that, I'm doing good. Well, you need to put them on your head for you to, <laughs> to hear anything. Kent Brown is with us. Associate Athletic Director, charge of uh, media relations and many other things at the U of I. How are you, KB? I'm great. Just trying to set the table for all your uh, a- A-list guests later today. Well, you're a good leadoff man. You're a good relief pitcher. You, you kind of cover the gamut there. Another busy week. Josh Whitman and uh, the Chancellor and a few other folks uh, kind of put out an update on uh, Thursday about uh, how game day may look and other situations around the, the ongoing COVID-19 situation at the U of I and some uh, some updated information. What did you glean from that? What was what was the highlight in your mind? You know, uh, so the campus has been having these uh, update these briefings to the campus community all summer on on the COVID response to COVID and and what the plans are and protocols in different areas of the campus. And we were up. It was our turn, uh, athletics turn this last week, and so um, had a chance to talk about. I think, you know, it's, it's interesting. There's a few of us who have been, who've been part of these discussions so long. I, we're not sure. <laughs> I can remember exactly what was uh, public and what we haven't released and what we did release. But, you know, obviously in following the, the uh, governor's guidelines and things like that, we've put together a plan on game days to um, try to uh, minimize, um, you know, interaction with, with people. Um, you know, the, the things that, and these are things that have already been kind of published in the guidelines, right? 20% capacity of the attendance, um, no tailgating allowed. Um, we've tried to, uh, change the timing of the parking lots. So in the past parking lots have opened at 7am no matter what. And so now we're going to open those in, in the same time that we're going to open the gates to the stadium, which I think is about two hours, which is a little bit different too but it's it's to get allow people so they don't crunch up and so hopefully people will spread their entrance in and things like that it's so. interesting that everything is opposite of what you normally do yeah you talk about minimizing uh distance between people where you're usually trying to maximize get more people in the stadium and get them to come early now you're rather they come a little bit closer to game time it's it's just so so unusual it really is and and you know we talked uh, I think we've already talked about it when Jason was uh, on with you guys a few weeks ago, talked about uh, a, a manifest, city manifest, so showed an example of what that would like and how people would be spread out in the stands. And um, so, you know, those are those are some of the things that we're trying to implement, you know, and, and let's just hope we don't, you know, 
pushed back to a phase three thing, which then I think that throws probably throws everything out the window. So uh, if we can stay and, and keep improving and keep our counts low and keep in that area, we, at least we have a plan, you know, moving forward for how we're going to do our, our game days. Well, it sounded like uh, I, I was encouraged when uh, jo- Josh later in that interview said that that when the time comes that there will be more discussions directly with the with the governor. So evidently he's got a, a, a phone line right to the governor where they can discuss particulars of, uh, you know, before you decide exactly finally how many people can enter, for instance, or who might be able to enter in basketball or whatever. I mean, he's, he indicated he's, he's got a, a line there. Yeah, so we have a – there's a, a contact in the governor's office who's, who's had conversations with uh, Josh and others, um, and so it's a – it's not the governor himself, but it's it's one of his top aides, and and so there's been a, the ability to to ask questions. You know, what does this mean for volleyball? You mm-hmm. know, right now it's no fans. Okay, well, does that mean a pass list that the parents can get in or not? And and so those well, are you answers. can work all those things out. They're still working on that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not it hasn't been determined yet, but I mean, at least there's a, a way to ask some of those questions to clarify some of that. And, you know, and it's um, and so that's a it's a nice situation to have um, we've got a governmental relations staff on campus too that helps facilitate conversations whenever there's questions with our uh, our state government and so using all those resources to help try to come to some answers on that I think we're closer to have what we think's a, a final plan uh, for for how we're going to do everything from concessions to uh, gate workers to all that stuff but you know it's it's Press as box. We, as we know, it could all change. Yeah, I mean, we're you know we're going to be limited on what we can, who we can uh, let in, and number of people we can let in. And the Big Ten Conference uh, sports information staffs are talking uh, regularly about how we can handle our media part of it and limiting the number of people on the sidelines, uh, not l- limiting the photographers. And I'm talking about photographers, videographers. How we're going to do that, and. Um, you know, radio crews are another one. You know, Steve's part of the the radio crew, and you know, we're still kind of working through what's how that's going to play because we look like we have probably, you know, not knowing how our schedule is going. If we if we keep the same nine games and then add another one, we've got um, be two plane trips that we've got to figure out. You know, what these guys are going to do, and so I don't I don't know that we are, with trying to keep social distance on an airplane. How do you maybe the radio crews not part of that type of thing so how do we get them there or do they do the game from the studio and which is happening in in a lot of different areas so still a lot of unanswered questions we have what's today the uh 18th of july so we still have about well you know you mentioned these dates something happens new every monday (laughs) and now you tell me next friday is what so next Friday, the twenty fourth, on from a from a workout standpoint, our football guys are going from a maximum of eight hours a week of workouts and meetings to twenty hours a week, and so they can do some walkthroughs and things like that um, starting Friday, the twenty fourth. And so um, for basketball, for instance, they're they're they changed the, this coming week, so now coaches are going to be on Monday. They they will uh, coaches are going to be permitted to be on the court with. Uh, with the uh, and work out the players up until tomorrow through tomorrow it's only been lifting with with fletch and so um but it'll it'll be like a regular summer eight hours a week up to four of those on on court instruction doesn't have to be four on four or two it can be two and six whatever but it can have up to eight people on the floor at the same time so um 
anyway, there's there's some this we're in that period where there's some of that on court and on field things have changed are changing a little bit. Talking to Kent Brown, we do have the phone lines open three five six nine three nine seven. If you'd like to join in, um, do you have do you have any background or behind the scenes on the conversations that evolved before the announcement of conference only schedule in the Big Ten? I, I would. I'm just imagining what that might have been like with 14 athletic directors and coaches involved, and maybe the coaches weren't involved so much. Um, it's my understanding. I mean, the coaches were at least you know somewhat uh, informed of some of the different areas, but I, I do know the ADs were talking every day, and um, I and I know that um, you know it the plan fluctuated, uh, and there were people on probably all different sides of of what they thought was the best. Uh, ideas and um, you know at the end of the day they came back with a with one that was unified um, I don't know how much the coaches were actually involved in in the planning but I think they were informed of this is this is where we're headed these are the discussions what's your feedback on this what's your feedback on that um, but yeah it's um, in, and we're watching around the country, right? We're seeing some of the uh, some of these other conferences uh, postpone things now to the spring. And uh, also, uh, Kent, I just saw where SEC, ACC, and Big Twelve are planning, to, uh, trying to put together a plan to preserve a few of their key non-conference game, like Georgia Tech versus Georgia, or Virginia versus Georgia, or game Florida State versus Florida. They're trying to. They're trying to maybe compromise what the Big Ten was like the Big Ten could have said well we'll have a Notre Dame Wisconsin game but they in other words instead of going all the way they're trying to preserve a few of those games I think I think at the end of the the day the conversation came down how do we get how do we maximize control and how do we maximize flexibility and control by controlling the testing process controlling um the reporting process within the league, controlling uh, games, and then the flexibility if we have to switch, if we have to all of a sudden pull the plug here and, and postpone something. It gives us maximum flexibility because we're not dealing with other conference uh, schedules and things like that. And so um, I, those two points are really key and that it was really came down to those two, maximum flexibility, maximum control, and um, and allows for that. Well, you know, Steve and I were talking how big would a Wisconsin-Notre Dame game at Lambeau Field have been. That would have been worth a lot of money. Yeah, no doubt. And, 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 and a lot and of interest. One thing, one of the great things about the Big Ten Conference is that there is a lot of uh, cooperation within the league. And so we know, I mean, we know right now, right, there are several stadiums over 100,000 in, this, in, this, in football, and they could easily – uh, throw their weight around. I see this in other conferences. All right, we see what happens in the Big Twelve when Texas wants to make something happen, and uh, the the Big Ten has continually worked together for the betterment of the entire group. And knowing that Wisconsin was going to have to postpone or cancel that game was probably a really tough decision for them to swallow. Um, it doesn't carry quite the weight that Illinois, Illinois State does, right? Right. But for the conference to have that flexibility and to move forward, it was in fairness, it, that was really the only decision they could do. So right now on the Illinois schedule, road games at Rutgers, Nebraska, Indiana, Wisconsin, and Northwestern, home games, Purdue, Minnesota, Iowa, 
and Ohio State. So if that stands as it is, there would be what we would think be a home game at it. Probably. I mean, I'm, t- I'm telling you, you know, we haven't seen that yet. I do think that we'll see some scheduling stuff soon. I know they're working on it every day. There was a, there was a plan at one point maybe to keep those nine intact and then just add a, figure out how to add a game to everybody. And then there was another – I'm sure there's other ways that you just blow up everything and start over right, and, right. and do it. And so uh, I know there's, there's a lot of unknowns. And so hopefully – um, hopefully this week we'll have some, or, or this week or next week soon, right? We need to have some, some answers to how we're going to do this. I mean, and, and just because those nine still may be on there, may not be in that order. May not be. The may order. not be those dates. Correct. Right. Well, it Correct. can't be in that order right. because you got to move something up September, obviously. Yeah, there will be games in September. There will probably be some open dates in there in case there's some to allow for some flexibility to postpone and play again later. I, yeah, it, it's. It's not simple at all. You know, it's very, very complicated, <laughs> very complicated for a lot of people. And it's really hard for fans. To, you know, we're asking our fans to be really patient uh, because it's really hard to plan what you want to do. We're also we're already limited to somewhere between 10 and 12,000. And and I know our tickets uh, directors are all talking about, um, you know, some time, some type of limit for visiting Take uh, visiting fan bases, and really, it's based on the team size, you know, so that each player has X amount of tickets. But that's only for Illinois, right? I mean, that's only in the state of Illinois. I mean, Michigan is not restricted to twenty percent, for example. Every state has a different restriction right. rule. I'm talking, yeah, but I, but I guess I was talking when we were talking about restriction of, of visiting fan bases. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, we normally you can give up to three thousand, I think, tickets to a visiting team that's going to be really limited to just a very whatever that is 400 or something just for player comps and things like that 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 would probably be the only thing so um so those those are all types apart you know uh, uh you know our media will count those media numbers will count in that in that maximum um number that comes into the state so there's it's it's a it's a complicated uh puzzle to put together We'll keep working on that puzzle here on Saturday Sports Talk, brought to you by Illini Pella. We'll take our break and be back with more. Kent will stay with us some more, so if you have any questions, 356-9397 is the phone number. And we are back after this. Stay with us. Now at NewsGazette.com, Inside Illini Basketball, our weekly podcast with Scott Ritchie, who has this date to circle. July 20th. Moving up on 917, glad you're with us. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk until 11 o'clock today with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. Ken Brown is here as well. We're talking uh, Illinois athletics. The phone line is open. Let's go to the phones. Steve calling in from Danville. Hey, Steve. Good morning. Enjoy your show as always. If the activities of protesters and rioters don't... uh constitute a public health risk because they're conducted out of doors, why do the same principles to tailgaters and football fans not apply? Well, if you're asking me, it's, it's really, it's, it's a government governor's policy and, and, and guidelines that we're using there. And, and it's basically, um, I think, you know, trying to avoid as much as possible those large gatherings of people. And so, um, I think you, I, I know your, your question and I know that there's been a lot of discussion about it, but these are things that, um, these are areas that, um, in the past have we've seen have grown to be hundreds of people and certainly 
people aren't wearing masks and things like that in the past. And so, um, but it's it's the guidelines that have been. Well, we haven't had a football shared. season in the past with COVID either. I know. I, I realize that, but it's a it's a way we can control some of that um, internally. If we're if we're going to have games, if we're going to try to play games, then then those are some of the uh, limitations that we're going to have to work around. Well, it just seems to me as if we have a double standard in our society. Well, so thank you for you, your answer. You've got the right to protest on one hand, and how do you mix the right to protest with the trying to reduce size of crowds? I mean, they they don't it doesn't work. And I I think that as far as the protesters are concerned, you can't stop it, but it certainly doesn't make sense. Yeah, I mean, we can control a little bit of the 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 tailgating and those groups those are those are areas that we can try to control and and minimize as much as possible to try to keep everybody as safe you know we're trying to keep our fans safe we're trying to keep our uh, workers at the game safe we're trying to keep our athletes safe and staff and um trying to do all we can those are things that we can control um as much as possible to to keep everybody as safe and and through this so tailgating will not take place and that's uh you know tailgating when you think of that, that kind of encompasses a lot yeah. uh, it, in what you define as a tailgate. Right, and, and basically we're saying, you know, you can't bring in your uh, t- your pole behind grill and you can't set up a tent and you can't bring in a band and you can't uh, do these. And, and that's what happens. I mean, those of us who, in many of you, you've seen it out there on the west side of the stadium and in Lot 42 over on the, you know, uh, corner of 4th and, and Florida, those are some big, they're big parties. They are. And a lot of people come and just go to those uh, and stay there and don't go to the game. They just come in and, and party all day. And um, and so this, you know, if people are, and we're already limited to how many people we have. So, you know, if people come, park, enter the stadium, let's watch the game. This year we're going to have to set the tailgating aside. I mean, it's just. Well, let's, tell me what you're going to do with the band. Yeah, that's everybody still, wants. You know, well, I know they're still I mean, undecided, the band, right? The band is there to play for the people who aren't there. <laughs> yeah, and we're still very undecided on that. And I know that, um, and Josh, we've talked about, it, and Josh said that you know it's been discussed. It's not like it hasn't been talked about at the conference level, but it's just going to be kind of pushed to the side a little bit here as they work on these other issues that have come up. And and so, um, well, it could be part of the halftime TV, I guess. I mean. But uh, really, to play with no fans is uh, doesn't make much sense, does it? No, and and um, to socially distance them properly uh, takes up a lot of a lot of space too. And um, you know, the, our band is so uh, dedicated uh, to working together and practicing. I mean, they put so much time into each of those performances. Um, you know, it's it's not fair to have them try to do that but then you got practices you got to figure out how to socially do i mean there's there's a lot of things that go into this and i know barry is part of that i I, it's it's just there's no i don't have a good answer for you on that one today so season ticket holders have a few options yeah involved with the 2020 season they can opt in or opt out or donate their money or touch on some of those carry it forward right so we, we reached out to all our season ticket holders and said, you know, here's your options. I mean, if you want to come to the games, let us know. And you've, if you've already paid, a lot of people paid. I mean, we opened up our, our season ticket uh, renewal period right after the bowl game. And so um, it's, it's been 
um, it's been um, uh, out there that uh, um, that uh, where was I at? I'm sorry, I lost my track. Just a second. What the what the options are for? Yeah, them? the options. So yeah, people could uh, take their tickets and 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 come to the games if they wanted. I mean that we haven't we don't know if there's going to be space for everybody right, yet. Right. The other one was. Uh, you've paid your money and you can leave that for uh, next year, right? And so uh, have that in the bank and, and, and a lot of people who chose not to use them this year are gonna do that. Uh, you can get a refund if you wanted or you can don't have it, have that movie moved or that money moved to the iFund. Um, so it's, um, it's given some options to that group. And sure. so, you know, as soon as we know how many games that we're gonna be playing, uh, you know, which hasn't been determined yet. Uh, as soon as we know that, then we can start down that list of our, you know, are you in, are you out? Here's where you're, here's where you're, yeah. you, you can pick and choose where your spot's at. Here's your options. And then are you in or out? And then we'll just keep going down that list till we complete it. Back to the phones, Margaret in Champaign. Go ahead, Margaret. Good morning. I wondered if you know if the Marching Illini is going to participate in uh, any of the football game uh activities yeah margaret we just talked about that i mean it, it's just we don't know yet we don't have a decision based on, okay. on uh, we just don't have a decision yet on on how that's going to play out okay all right thank you we'll certainly get yeah thanks for the call margaret we'll certainly get that word out uh when it does but everybody is doing the same thing right everybody's planning as if they'll be doing what they normally do and yeah you, you know, know that it won't be totally normal after uh after josh and the chancellor and randy ballard and, and mike de lorenzo were had the briefing the other day you know there were some social media comments you know like illinois still thinks they're going to play we're not going to you know it's easy to say that but i can tell you that we are working as hard as we can uh to to give ourselves the best opportunity to play games until somebody says it pulls the plug and says no we're not doing so we are we are working. The players are working. The staffs working. The uh, external group that that helps put on the the event. Our internal, you know, our, our event management staff. We are all planning and working forward as fast as hard as we can to make sure we have a safe environment and a and a and the ability to pull off an event like this until until we're told differently. Let's go to Eric in Champaign. Go ahead, Eric. Hey, good morning, guys. Um, you know, what, what I think this experience has really shown us is that college football or college sports in general it has to have a centralized leadership at the top because, you know, every conference for themselves basically is what's going on, and, and it's, uh, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I mean, they, they have the power to, you know, put the death penalty on programs or mandate who can go to transfer to different schools, this and that, but not who's going to play when, where, and under what conditions. It doesn't doesn't compute you know what i mean <laughs> that's an interesting st statement because the uh, there's no question the five conferences are operating on their own the five major yeah uh and i think that's the that's a that's a a position taken i've heard previous years before we're talking about all these COVID decisions about some central leadership to help make some decisions for everybody versus each conference. But right now the power is in those is in the conferences, in, especially in football. It is, but you know, each state is in, is in control of the COVID situation and each conference is in control of its own teams. And how many states do we have in the- 11. 11 states in the <laughs> Big Ten. So you're gonna get 11, I, I don't know where New Jersey is on this whole thing. I mean, New Jersey could de to deny Rutgers the right to play they could deny it they there's, could set rules that would prevent 
New, uh, Rutgers from playing football. Yeah, and I know that the, the, the governors in each state are trying to do what's best for their state, right? Make yeah. decisions that are best for their state and for the people that live in their state. Yeah, there's a lot of unknowns and a lot of, of, of uncontrollables for other people. You know, I just saw um, the the federal government issued, I just saw today, the hotspot states, right? And it's pretty much all the South. Mm-hmm. And then Iowa is up there, and Iowa's never closed down. Um, and so Iowa's in a different spot all of a sudden today yeah. than they were uh, a month or two ago. And so I don't but, know what that means. I'm just saying it's, it's, it's everybody's in a different spot. And California's is really interesting to me because they've had so many uh, positive tests and deaths, and not one single, not one single death, 17 or younger. Not one. That doesn't mean somebody didn't get sick or might have lasting problems. But isn't that interesting? I'm not talking about 18 to 22-year-olds because I don't know that number, but I did see the number 17 and under. They haven't had a single death. Anything else, Eric? Uh, I was just going to add, uh, maybe, maybe even Lauren can, can do a little story about this, but I'd like to know what each state plans to do as far as their um, their um, seating capacity because, you know, Illinois, you're talking about the 20%. What's Wisconsin, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan especially, the big house and everything? Michigan's talking about plan. 50%. I, I read that, that they're right? talking about it. I don't know what they're going to do. I don't see how they can possibly do that. But they're, right. they're, well, that, sell, they're selling a lot of tickets. That, that would be the, the next interesting thing. If we do play, I'd love to know what each state is doing. <laughs> That'd be all I'd have. Thanks, guys. Okay. Eric, thanks for the call. Let's have go. you seen anything on that, Ken? I haven't. I okay. haven't. Let's go to Scott in Urbana. Hey, Scott. Good morning. How are you guys doing? Good. How are you? I'm fine. Hey, I've got two uh, quick uh, concerns, I guess. Number one, as you probably heard, the governor last week put Illinois into 11 regions instead of four. And he will have the power, if we have spikes in one region, to move that region back, as I understand. Okay, here's my question. Number one, what if we have high spikes? With the U.S. starting and these kids coming down from Chicago, and we have to be moved back. What's going to happen uh, to the football season, number one? And number two, I don't know if you've heard, I believe I heard this correctly about a month ago, Rutgers University has gone to all online classes for the the fall semester. Uh, Can they still play football if the students are not on campus and they're taking all online? Well, just because they're not, I mean, just because they're online doesn't mean they're not on campus. We'll have an awful lot of football players on campus, but taking classes online. A lot we of know students, that. It, the, the, a lot a, of students, there's right. a lot of, We saw that in the spring that even when we went to all um, uh, online classes this last spring through the end of March and April and early May, there were a lot of students that were still on campus. And so it's hard to hard to really – control a lot of that i mean they, they have to be somewhere and we asked that they go home for the most part and a lot did but there were a lot of people still on campus there so. isn't enough classroom space if you separate if you require the six uh, six feet distancing there isn't okay. enough space on that campus i know that for a fact yeah okay now about the phases i mean the uh, regions that the governor has increased what if for some reason, we have a big spike here in, on campus. I know they're doing a lot of testing and everything like that, but if we have a, a big spike because Chicago has had a lot of deaths and everything like that, and we have to fall back, what's going to happen to our football 
season. You know, this is where the flexibility part of the Big Ten's um, decision helps. And so it helps us try to be as flexible as possible in, in all our protocols and, and policies that we'll have in place. And so, you know, decisions, a lot of decisions are based upon exactly what's happening right right now. And um, it's hard to anticipate because it's so unpredictable. Um, but, you know, if the governor's um, – uh, guidelines change, then we will have to adjust and change change with them. Okay. Well, I was just wondering because, for example, Northwestern, they're kind of in the hot spot area with Chicago and Lake County and everything like that. And if they cannot say if they, if they cannot proceed, and we have a game with Northwestern, will that game be canceled until their positivity rate goes down low enough that they can play the game? Those are all questions that uh, can't be answered at this point, but uh, as many questions are right now, t- today's answer might not be tomorrow's answer, that's for sure. But good points, yeah, Scott. Well, we appreciate it. Thank you very much. You guys have a good day. Yep, thanks for the call. 356-9397 is the phone number if you'd like to join us. Need to take a quick break. We'll keep Kent a few more minutes. I want to talk some baseball with Kent, too, before <laughs> we let him out of here. But if you have any more questions or comments, Regarding this topic, give us a call. We'll take a time out and be back with more Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk after this. 9.34, Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. Kent Brown is still with us. The phone lines are still open. Let's go. Let's stay in Urbana and uh, bring in uh, Blake. You're on the air with us. Go ahead, Blake. Yeah, my question concerns the testing. Um, I heard that the University of Illinois had developed a saliva-based test that had a pretty quick turnaround. I'm wondering if it's been FDA-approved. How come it's not being more prevalent in other parts of the country? And um, and I guess I heard that Arizona had a similar test. Um, can Kent kind of comment on that and in terms of the turnaround or that sort of thing? Yeah, I wish I, I had more details on it. I know that it's very promising, and I know that um, there's a lot of, of um, approval levels that, that happen, and right now it is, it's approved for on-campus, so faculty, staff, um, students have access to it. Um, the turnaround that, that, that I got from it was about three hours. Um, it's, it's pretty quick. I know that the campus is intending to have this ready for up to 10,000 tests a day. Uh, when school resumes, um, and so would be a, a really helpful tool. Um, and so it's, I know they're continuing to work on it. It's very promising, and, uh, you know, if we keep moving forward with it, I'm sure it'll be more readily available uh, outside campus as well at some point in time. Um, but those are all – I don't have a lot of direction on that because I, I just haven't been part of those conversations with the, with the campus medical group. Well, didn't uh, Josh, I think Josh said the other day that they will move to saliva testing uh, after they get, I think he said, uh, maybe about when school starts. Yeah, you know, I talked to Randy about this uh, a couple weeks ago, and, and we're still doing the swab test with right. our athletes right, right now. Right. The hope is sometime here in, in August, early August, about in middle, you know, that we'll start moving over towards the, um, towards the, the, the saliva test. Um, like I said, I mean, it, it's super it's easy, and, and so we're still they're 
working to make that as accurate as possible and and the turnaround's really really fast and you don't need you don't need uh licensed medical folks to to run it i mean you can because it's you're controlling your own little vial and you stick it in the bag and so you don't um it's not a it's it's something we can do and they can hire uh non-medical personnel to help uh run through the test anything else blake yeah do they do the actual testing on campus or do they have to send it out so um all the testing's done here in in champaign urbana and, and i think we're working with carl on our uh the schwab tests um but our campus uh medical center's involved but uh, the carl is the is the main testing center here in in champaign urbana champaign county okay all right thank you much yep appreciate the call let's go to steve in princeton good morning steve good morning enjoy the show what was Mark Emery's comment, the NCAA president, this week? But I interpreted that to mean it's inevitable that the football season and fall sports are going to be canceled. You know, because he said something about how can you play football with not having contact and keeping social distancing. Well, you can interpret what he says any way he want. I mean, they're going to try to play. Emmert's, it's not Emmert's decision, by the way. It's just not. Football is a different thing because they don't. Uh, the NCAA doesn't control um, championships or the scheduling of that. Um, but what uh, the NCAA is, they do set uh, season guidelines. They set practice. Day, you know, there's a lot of procedural things that the NCAA certainly controls. But there's some decisions that um, are really in the conference's hands versus the national uh, leadership hands. What do you think about a person as commissioner, czar, whatever you want to call it. I'm not sure who would want that job, but, uh, you know, like a commissioner of a pro league. Or yeah, but, you know, it, 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 and, and Lovey, Lovey's talked about this, you know, with his background, and, and I think he was – he is for this is all discussed before this all, sure. all hit, but I think he was, he was saying he was before that. But we all have to remember that every level has different agenda items, right? So the Big Ten, Big 12 – SEC, ACC, Pac-12 all have a different agenda than the Missouri Valley and uh, maybe some of the smaller conferences. And so everybody's got a different what they're looking for. It's really hard to have one decision that fits everybody. It's impossible. And we're seeing that like in our school districts, right? We've we've been a lot of talk recently about back to school and how that's going to be handled. Every community is different. And so – um, it really, it's, it's, it's hard to have one decision maker when there's so many different constituencies and different levels of, of decisions to be made. Anything else on your mind, Steve? Well, I just happened when Kent mentioned different conferences have their own policy. I've seen two of the smaller conferences have canceled their schedule, the MEAC and the Colonial Conference. Sure. And the Ivy League. There have been a number well, think, of them that aren't going to play until January at the very earliest. Right. I think the momentum's just building. It's just one by one they pack them off, and eventually we're going to get there. Well, nobody has uh, nobody that has a big t- television contract has canceled their season yet. Just remember that. If you're playing football and you don't have and, and you don't have crowd and you don't have TV, what's the point of playing? You're playing out there, you know, without any coverage. But if you've got a, a multi-million dollar television contract, 
It's a, it's a whole different story. That's why the five major conferences are – you can't judge anything you see by the minor schools by what uh, and compare that with the five major conferences. They've got, they've got their whole existence uh, at, at risk right now. So basically it's coming down to money then. Well, it's TV. It's mostly TV. Most of the schools, most of the teams that are dropping the, the season or dropping out right now are, are schools that don't have television contracts. Hey, okay, Steve. Enjoy. Yeah, thanks. And, uh, we'll come next Saturday. Okay, we appreciate it. We'll probably have all kinds of different things to talk about next Saturday. Get around with us for another couple of minutes. Um, Let's talk baseball. You're a big baseball fan, Cubs fan. Number one, you're going to be able to watch the Cubs games? Well, as you guys know, I'm in between houses right now. Yeah. So my uh, television system right now <laughs> <laughs> doesn't have the game. So I, I've got a, uh, I'm going to have to get busy this week and figure out. Um, uh, we're, we're living in temporary quarters, and so hopefully I'll have uh, the ability to watch some games. I may be back to listening on the radio like I did when I was a kid. Now, you drove by uh, Bush Stadium yesterday. Is it true <laughs> that you got down, bowed down and stopped and, and saluted? My daughter, my daughter Cameron and I booed the entire <laughs> way. Both times we drove past it just to – they had the lights on, so I'm assuming they were playing an inter-squad game, and we were hoping they could hear us. But I don't, we rolled our windows down and as, as loud as we could. So um, it's interesting to watch some of these the highlights of the inter-squads, right? There's no one in the stands, and their uh, home runs just bouncing around out in the in the bleachers. Home run? And, What's a home run? <laughs> I watched Cardinals two Cardinals. Don't, Cardinals don't hit home runs. Cardinals scored one run in 20 innings of. Uh, Exhibition or inter-squad games. Is that, that the I good watch. news, bad news? That I the guess. pitching's real good, but the hitting's not, or right. which which is why? I don't you know? know, but I'm ready for some real baseball. I'm just concerned how long it might last. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everybody, everybody is right. And the NFL is trying to figure out how to get their camps uh, started. NBA is going to be starting here real quickly. And listen, um, listen here. Five days this last week, no positives. Baseball, one ten thousand five hundred tests, six total, five players. One staff. So it can be done. It can be done. Okay. So that's that's encouraging, right? I mean, it's really encouraging that it can be done. It, it's it's difficult. It takes a lot of people and a lot of people to, to be focused and to be responsible. We can we can do this. We I couldn't remember the numbers on that basketball, the basketball tournament that was played last week mm-hmm. or two weeks ago. Well, it was played over, yeah. over a long period of time. Uh, the final testing, according to La Tulip, they had 294 tests. This was about when they got around to the round of, of uh, quarterfinals. 294 tests, zero. Zero positive. So it can be done. It can be done. We all have to be responsible for our actions. We all have to be careful on how we deal. We all have to do the things that we're being told that can help alleviate the exposure. If we all do this, if everybody does it, we can, we can, we playing, can make a dent. We can make it happen. They're playing baseball in Korea. In Taiwan, in Japan, soccer in in uh, England, other yeah. Europe. I mean, it's it's happening. We've, as a country, <laughs> as a community, we have to we have to do our part, and so hopefully we can. Good stuff, Ken Brown. Thanks always. All right, you guys have a great day, and uh, let's uh, play ball next week and uh, see what happens. All right, play ball like Thursday. Fun. Yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait. I. You'll watch, you'll watch the Yankees and the Dodgers. And I'll, all I'll be teams. watching. I, I watched the TBT games. I was so excited to watch actual games that counted and the <laughs> competition where players are running against each other. And, you know, golf's a little different. You know, it's such an individual uh, sport. But team sports, I, I, I got excited. I can't wait for, for baseball. And, and uh, it'll be 
if we can get all the games in, uh, a quick run like this, will I think will be unbelievably exciting because every game is going to count incredibly more important than uh, over 160. You ought to make an appeal to the governor about volleyball too. I know it's indoors, and I know you have to ball, but if everybody washed their hands and you had a clean ball, you ought to be able to play. <laughs> I think it'll be – I think I think we're gonna we'll get there. I think we'll get there. Just we got to work around some limitations in in how you got to get done. away from this one size fits all business. That's a, that's part of the problem. I mean, make a decision about football might not apply to cross country. Yeah, they're two different sports. I think they are. <laughs> Thanks, Kent. All right, guys, have a great day. Nine forty-five. We'll take a break. We'll talk some. Basketball recruiting, Kedrick Prince from Orange Blue News will join us in just a moment. At the top of the hour, Larry Lyons, the athletic director at Illinois State, will be with us as well on the program. Stay with us. We're back with more Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk after this. Moving up on 948 here on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Steve Kelly, Lauren Tate with you until... 11 o'clock, thanks to Kent Brown for spending about 45 minutes with us talking about several items uh, as it pertains to uh, the upcoming fall sports schedule. We're going to talk some Illinois basketball recruiting now. Kedrick Prince from Orange and Blue News is on the line with us from the Quad Cities area. How are you doing, Kedrick? Good morning, Joe, and how are you? Good. Hanging in there. What's new in the recruiting world? I know that uh, as far as the NBA uh, upcoming draft uh, two weeks from this coming Monday is the final day that anybody can uh, take their name out or they have to make a decision to come out or stay in and we saw yesterday that Isaiah Livers at Michigan decided he's coming back are you hearing any other news from any guys like maybe Io DeSumo you know I've just mixed messages I mean like I've heard one day that you know I think he worked out down there with the kids I think or something like that on his own um, you know, the thing with Kofi, it's kind of, it, it's up in the air. You know, when I talked to a number of different agents, you know, outside of the one I interviewed a couple of weeks ago, they just, they're, they can't tell student athletes what to do, but they are really, really trying to make him understand. I'm talking Isle here, that if he came back for another year, it's okay to be a junior and to go in the draft because he's not a senior. He won't be a senior then. You know, if we have a season coming up, that he can really, really put his name out there. People know who he is, but if a guy like him come back, I mean, the preseason player of the year is probably going to be Luca Garza if he comes back. But the next guy in line for any kind of, you know, preseason award is going to be Isle. I mean, he's a proven winner. He turned the program around, and they like that. And I think it's kind of unfair to him about his three-point shooting because I remember him in high school. Lauren Tate, you know, Lauren, you and I have talked before. I mean, his shot in high school, I thought, there's no way this guy's going to be able to make threes in college. And then he got better and better and better. Well, last year they changed the three-point line. You know, they moved it back a little bit. And so his, it, it dropped. But I guarantee it, giving the kid a chance to work at it like he does everything else, he'll be fine. So that's the one knock on him. I mean, everybody is trying to, I don't want to say find an excuse to not draft him, but that kid's work ethic is this first class and to me you know he's a winner he's professional with the media he'd be a guy i would take a chance on but i just don't know if it was my kid that i would do that knowing the fact that he can make millions the next year to roll the dice this year to say hey you know, whether you may even have a season or not you can't work out from the scouts if it's worth doing what we don't know is whether or not somebody has told him and his family that 
yes, we do plan to take you with a, a pick in the second round or wherever. We don't know that he's had any of that kind of communication. You know, and it's weird. You say, I, you know, one of the, it's funny you say that, Steve. I asked one of the gentlemen, I said, hey, because I know that happens. I mean, we all know that happens. I'm like, hey, is there a chance that a team told him that we're going to draft you and, you know, don't listen to all these draft nets? Because they're people's opinions, and I, I respect that. But if someone told him that, then by all means, definitely stay in to make the money because we see an injury. He, he could be an injury away. If you look back at the Michigan State game, that was the most dramatic thing that I think we've seen all season, other than canceling it because of COVID, that Illinois went through because his career could have been over then. So it makes sense if that, that's what happens. But one one scout told me, says Ketter, I don't think nobody told him that, but I could be I, I'm not 100% right, but I highly doubt that. From a you know basketball standpoint, he did what he set out to do with Illinois. His thing was to put him on the map. He did. You know, I hope the guy succeeds. I think it's a good PR move for Illinois if he does get drafted. And I think they're going to be fine if he doesn't come back. Would, he, would they be better with him? Of course. By, by far, top ten team in the country. Well, uh, as far as uh, Iowa is concerned, where do you think he would play next season if he does turn pro? Do you, what do you think of the odds of him making an NBA team, number one? And uh, is there going to be a, a, a G League? If there's a G League, I think that's where he's going to be at. I, I just, I do. I mean, and there's a chance for him to, you know, to make money in the G League. I would, unless he's in the first round. I mean, I don't know. I've, I've only seen one draft, one draft company that said that he would be a first round draft pick. If he got drafted in the first round, yeah, he'd be on the team, but he'd probably sit for a couple of years. You know, maybe if he got lucky, if a player was injured or something, he may get some time. But, you know, his strength, I think, you know, he's worked out, obviously, because you can see the kids gotten bigger. I don't think he would make a roster right away. And, you know, and I don't know if it's a money thing or I, I don't know. I mean, they, the family's very private, which I respect, you know. But I just, I don't see him being on an NBA roster. You know, I don't want to compare players, but you look at a guy like Carson Edwards. How, he's small, but how tough that guy was. And he had one of the best NCAA tournament runs ever. I mean, ever. And you look at him, I mean, playing the G League. So that's why I said, I just for me, I would come back. Well, uh, Carson Edwards did play in the G League. He also got in the NBA something, too. I mean, he, he split Correct. time. And, uh, you know, I'm sure that uh, a lot of, lot of uh, second-round draft picks are going to spend, you know, time in the G League and maybe come up when there's an injury or an opening or for whatever. I, I would think that's about the category he falls in. But we're guessing right now, and we really don't know. Uh, right. Io, I know, is is still considering. I know he's leaning hard to turning pro, but I know there's still some influences around him that uh, you know, they haven't really. They're not a hundred percent with it yet, and um, so there's still a chance, I guess, that uh, you know that he might come back. But certainly, we're not counting on it. What um, do you see anybody else joining the Illinois team in the final weeks here before school? You know, I don't know. There's all these rumors. You know about you know mix in team if he's going to reclassify. I hear one day he's going to, and then one day he's not going to. You know he's a six ten center. You know out of you know Brewster Academy, and he is. I mean, small indications whether it's this year or next year. I mean, I don't want to say he's a lock, but he seems to be the one guy that I think a lot of the national guys think Illinois has a chance to get. Now, who, who is that again? I'm sorry, I didn't get it. 
I'm sorry, it's the Mick RN team. It's hard to pronounce his name because I've heard different people. I know it. E-T-I-N-N-I-E-N-E. I can't pronounce it either. Everybody's done different. I've heard Brad do it differently. I've heard Derek say it differently, so it's kind of hard. But anyway, he's the guy that I think that there's a slim chance that he could um, but I think a lot of that depends on what Kofi's doing. We, we talked about the NBA, you know, but he's an impact guy that I think could come in right away, and I don't think he wants to be a backup by any stretch of the imagination. So if there was one guy, it would be him. I did talk to Jordan Nesbitt this week, you know, a little bit, and he's not coming in this year. Illinois is in good shape with him, but I don't think he's going to be a guy that's, to answer your question that's going to come in this year and expect to play. I mean, I, I don't blame him because, they're, you know, they're wing heavy. Yeah, I would think that's probably accurate that Illinois is a little bit wing-heavy. What are you hearing from uh, Miller on his uh, involvement down here so far? I know I've heard you know good things about a lot of the guys down there, and some of the kids are uh, impressive. Like I think the thing that I've heard with him is that his strength. You know, I think some of the players down there are kind of surprised at how strong he is coming in. You know, as a freshman. You know, um, I don't know if you guys have heard, but you know, Benjamin is just taking a, a, a leap of faith by his own. You know, he's just in a different world from my understanding how he's playing. Um, I've had a chance to talk to Coleman's dad because they talk periodically, and it was an adjustment, you know, for him a little bit. But, you know, we knew that coming in. Um, but the class itself, talking to some of the parents and their kids, they really, really think they're going to be okay. And my, what's really weird, you know, listening to Kent, you guys talked earlier, I just hope Illinois has a season this year. Because if you look at a foot from a football standpoint, this was supposed to be the year where, you know, they have all these seniors and they can do things well. This is a basketball team. Yes, they may lose Iowa. I mean, hopefully they don't. You got Kofi coming back in one of the best guard tandems that ever been recruited at Illinois and maybe in the country. And they're you know, they have a chance to perform on the court. So I would like to see this talent, you know, football and basketball both, you know, because it is this you know, it's been a long time since Illinois had a deep roster of Big Ten basketball talent, and now they have it. Where do you think they'll be projected? Um, let's say Io stays in and in the uh, draft and Kofi comes back. Where do you think they'll be projected in the Big Ten? I think people would project Illinois in the Big Ten, I mean, in my opinion, six, seven, or eight, because, let's face it, Illinois has struggled for years, and people still – they, they saw how good they were last year, but they know Iowa had a lot to do with that. And so I, I don't think a lot of people are believers, because I've seen, I've, I've seen some of these predictions, Steve, I have. You know, and you see them 6, 7, 8, because of they think they lose him. But me personally, if Iowa's gone, I really think they're still a top 4 or 5 team in the Big Ten. I do think there's some talent there, but everybody lost a lot of players. I mean, you know, Michigan lost players. I mean, you know, you look at Maryland. You know, Michigan State catches once he's gone. I know they, you know, I know they, you know, reload it. But Illinois is going to be good. I think the favorite is going to be Iowa. I, they're just at a different level, but um, with everybody coming back. But Illinois is going to be pretty decent, I think. I think they'll, you know, Adam Miller and Cabello, I think they're going to surprise people. I mean, nobody knows about Benjamin because he didn't play last year. If he plays the way he's capable of and what I, I hear he's doing right now, that's another strong wing. I don't expect Georgie to struggle the way he did last year. Brad Underwood said the same thing. That was a fluke, you know. It'd be nice to see Trent shoot 39% from three, you know, this year. So they're going to be a little bit better, I think, than people realize. But I understand why people are picking them that low. They've got a lot of offers. 
Illinois does out in classes uh, ahead. Who's the who's the number one guy in your mind on the radar uh, for them in, in whatever class? It could be the class of 21 or 22, but who, who do you think is the the number one guy there? If I had to pick, I think there's a tie between two guys that I think, and, and this is next year's class, this will be the class of 21. I really, really think David Jones is a guy that's from Texas Valley Christian School. He would be a guy, he's a three-star, basically a four-star recruit. This kid has offers from Cincinnati, Clemson, Louisville, in Illinois, everybody you talk to will tell you Illinois leads with him. You know, he's 6'6". Illinois has been on him from, from day one, and he loves Illinois. And I think the other guy to answer your question would probably be Jordan Nesbitt. You know, he and I talked this week, and he gave me a great quote. I was going to put it on Twitter. You know, he basically said if you could get him and, and, the, and the Mac kid uh, and Luke Goody, he knew and said to me that class would be unbelievable given the fact of what's there right now. So those are two guys in the class of 21. They're both 6'6 six, six wings, you know, and Jordan's out of St. Louis, uh, that they, they love Illinois. And I think either one of those kids, in my opinion, could pull the trigger any day. If I had to bet my house on it between the three, I think David Jones would probably pull the trigger first if, you know, if, you know when the time is for them to get another recruit. They're in a good situation with, with all three of those kids. They really and truly are. Good stuff, Kendrick. Always enjoy talking with you, and we'll do it again soon. Thanks, guys. Be, be safe. You too. Kendrick Prince from Orange and Blue News, Rivals.com. Works with Brad Sturdy, Doug Bouchon, and the gang there. 10 o'clock, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. Hour number one of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk is in the books. We'll go with hour number two after this. Stay with us. It's the second hour of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Here again are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Hey, welcome back to the show, everybody. Heading towards 11 o'clock, 79 degrees here at 1003. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk in that first hour, thanks to Kent Brown, Associate Athletic Director at the U of I. We cleared up a few things and talked about a few things. We didn't get a lot of, uh, and we're not going to get a lot of uh, finality on uh, how things are going to go. It's a day-by-day situation, but uh, we'll keep uh, Kent Brown in our uh, Rolodex, so to speak. He's He's a good source for what's going on at the U of I. Also, we talked some basketball recruiting with Kedrick Prince from Rivals.com and appreciated uh, half a dozen or so phone calls as well. We kick off the uh, second hour. We welcome to the program Larry Lyons, who is the athletic director at Illinois State University. Larry, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Steve. Good morning, Lauren. Hope you guys are doing well. We're doing well. We want to talk to you a little bit about, uh, I'm sure you're disappointed about the the news and the phone call you got uh, 10 days or so ago from uh, Josh Whitman regarding the Illinois, Illinois State to football game to lead off the season. I know you were looking forward to it, especially as as a person that holds a degree from both those institutions. Yeah, it's uh, it's unfortunate that uh, we we won't be able to play that game. Uh, you know, it's we don't often get the chance to play football against the University of Illinois. I think the first time we played was in 50 years was 2003. I worked on that game with uh, with Dana Brenner back then, and I think we played again in 2007. So we were. 
I know there's a lot of people that had that game circled on the calendar and and to allow uh, two really fine state institutions uh, to play would be great. And yeah, I'm a, I have a degree from Illinois. I'm, I have two brothers with degrees from the University of Illinois. I have two children with degrees from the University of Illinois. So there's there's some a little bit of orange in our blood over here. Well, uh, but I also have I have a degree from Illinois State too. So it was kind of sad because it was so close and uh, you know a 45 minute uh, trip and you, you would think as far as safety goes that wouldn't have been a problem but uh, um, I guess you did you have any kind of uh, inkling ahead of time that uh, that could happen I personally did not uh, when the the day that Josh called right after the Big Ten made the announcement I knew there were some things bubbling up because I got a text that said something but I was on a zoom or a phone call at the time and I didn't really pay attention to it then I returned his call right away and uh, and I want to say he was kind enough to make a personal touch and pick up the phone and call us and tell us and so we didn't learn through twitter or through our, you know any other kind of source it was it was uh, i admired him for doing that and thank him josh is a good friend and a colleague and you know we're trying to kind of fight the same battles here trying to get our our uh, our athletic programs up to speed and ready to go this fall uh larry this is lauren uh what's the rest of your schedule look like uh, the rest of the schedule, um, we, we're an 11-game season this year for FCS football. Um, so after the Illinois game, we were going to play East Illinois, which is a series we've had for over 100 years. And then our other non-conference game was actually going to be the last date of the year in, in November uh, against the up-and-coming FCS program, Dixie State, out of Utah. And then our, obviously our eight-game uh, Missouri Valley football schedule was uh, going to start uh, the, end, the end of September, the last weekend of September. What kind of testing protocols have has the Missouri Valley s- uh, set up, or do you have one set for, for the entire conference? Well, what we're doing, um, and it, it's, most people don't realize, the Missouri Valley Football Conference is a separate legal entity from the Missouri Valley Conference. We call the Missouri Valley the All-Sport Conference. The football conference is actually 11 public schools from three different leagues. Obviously, the Valley schools, the football-playing Valley schools, and then uh, the Dakota schools are all in the summit, and Youngstown State is in the horizon. And I believe maybe Western Illinois is in the horizon. Um, so we work independently, but at the same time, the football conference is run out of the Missouri Valley office. So we are working on those protocols right now. Obviously, we're going to follow uh, the lead of uh, resocialization policies that are coming out of the NCAA, and it's going to be very similar to what uh, the University of Illinois is, is working with in terms of what what their protocols are. So, again, we're in process of, of you know nailing down the details of what those protocols are going to be. I'm always confused about the testing and the cost of it because I see yeah. people just a few blocks from me line up in cars and going through and getting free tests here in Champaign, and then I read where, well, I guess I, I, I read where the athletic director at Utah State said that she was, um, her, her, the tests for her school were 65 or $70 per test. I mean, why, I don't, I don't understand the difference between free tests and what you have to pay for, or do you have to pay for? Well, you're right, it's very confusing. I think it's based on locality, I think it's based on state, uh, it's based on availability, um, luckily, we're in McLean County, and the testing site, the state testing site in McLean County, is here. Uh, actually, at the uh, at the fairgrounds or the interstate center, uh, 
Um, the testing company actually has, uh, for the summer testing that we're doing for the voluntary period and now for the, the next wave, which is coming in uh, actually just this last week, um, they're coming to us and, and, and doing the testing on our, on our site uh, so that we can, we can get it done. And right now, there is no cost to us. It's either going through a personal insurance or it's free as part of the state of, state of Illinois uh, testing. So, again, it's different in every location we've had those discussions in both the missouri valley and the missouri valley football conference what's what's the availability what's the access what's the cost what's the turnaround on the test and honestly it varies for for everybody talking to larry lyons he's the ad at illinois state university have you or can you uh, attempt to reschedule not reschedule the illinois game but schedule that date and add a game to your schedule? Well, one of the things we're talking about on the football side uh, and on the Missouri Valley all-sports side, uh, we have president's calls next week on both sides uh, and to have discussions with the CEOs of each institution about how we would move forward, much like the Big Ten made their decision 10 days ago. Those discussions are taking place at, at both conference levels. So we'll know more about that. But specific to your question about can we reschedule it's my understanding i think we'll be allowed to reschedule if we choose to do so uh, i, I want to have that conversation in more detail with my president dr larry Dietz, as it as we lead into those discussions next week we have had some folks reach out to us about rescheduling but uh we, we are going to uh we're going to look at that one very carefully and, and make that decision in conjunction with what the what the league decision is moving forward of course, this would have been a pretty good uh, payday for you to come over here and play a Big Ten uh, team. How does that affect your budget overall? Well, uh, it, it uh, most likely will have a budget effect. Uh, when Josh and I talked uh, about 10 days ago, we agreed to let the dust settle, not look at the contract or the ramifications of that. Let's let's get through the next couple weeks uh, and then decide how we're going to move forward. Um, certainly, we'd love to reschedule the game, uh, and that's finding a year – way out down the road that uh, we both would have have the date that would be available um but um i haven't concerned myself with that one too much um there's a lot of impacts on our budget uh different impacts on our budget and and yes we'll we will definitely have to take it into consideration but i want to finalize the conversation with josh and we just agree to let let's let it sit for a little bit before we before we finalize that conversation would part of the conversation perhaps be a, a 13th game in the future i mean if the nca would permit uh, a makeup on some of these games. I mean, what what was the what was the uh, payout for you? Four hundred and fifty thousand for this game. Is that right? Yeah, the 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 contracted amount was four hundred fifty thousand. And yeah. I, I, uh, you know what? I I don't know about a thirteenth game. You know, FCS we play. We're allowed on on certain twelve games here. If the calendar has to fall fall right for us, um, then we we go into a playoff. Which of course we want to be in the playoffs, and you, that could be a fifteen or. 16 game year, depending on if it's how how far you go into the playoffs. So um, we'd have to think very carefully about about that type of a scenario before we get real interested in it. So uh, on the field, when we get to those games, uh, what kind of a, a team do you look uh, for the Redbirds to put out there this year? Uh, Coach Back and I have had those conversations. We're pretty confident that we've got a pretty good team coming back. Uh, we're pretty old in terms of uh, offense and defense, and you win with older kids. That's, there's no question about that. 
hopefully we'll have a healthy quarterback all year. We lost our starting quarterback late in the year last year, which uh, we, we still did a nice run in the playoffs, but uh, we didn't have a number one guy uh, under center. Um, we lost a great running back, All-American, um, and James Robinson. We'll have to we'll have to replace him by committee, but uh, I feel that with a mature team, we've got a pretty good chance to have a, have a pretty good year. Again, this year is going to be so different. You have to stay healthy in any football year. Right, right. Uh, but now the added uh, the added complication of of what happens during a year if you have positive tests on a team and how that affects the rest of the team in terms of quarantine. None of us have ever dealt with that before. And that will be at a, you know, I'm hopeful we get to play. I'm hopeful that uh, we don't have too many disruptions from a virus perspective, but you know, that, that remains to be seen, obviously. That's Larry Lyons, athletic director at Illinois State University. Good to catch up with you. Thanks for your time, sir. Guys, good to catch up with you. Uh, Good luck to to everybody over there and everybody stay healthy. Same to you. Thank Thank you. you. Larry Lyons with us from ISU. 10 to 14 is the time. We'll take a break. We'll talk some baseball. We come back right here on the Lion Eye Palace Saturday Sports Talk on DWS. It is 10-16, Illini Pellas Saturday Sports Talk with you here on DWS. With Lauren Tate, I'm Steve Kelly. Glad you're on board with us this morning. Going to talk some baseball now. Sadav Sharma from uh, The Athletic in uh, Chicago is with us. He covers the Cubs. Good morning. How's it going up there in the Windy City? It's going well. we got a pretty hot day here. I'm sure it's pretty hot out there as well. So we're just trying to survive the heat. Getting set for some baseball next week, we hope. I guess knock on wood. Uh, give us your take on what you've seen from the Cubs so far. Yeah, I, I would say that um, people are pretty confident that opening day and we're going to get the start of the season in. Uh, it's, you know, the, the first few weeks here of training camp have gone uh, pretty smoothly, I'd say. You know, the, the as far as positive tests, the MLB keeps releasing uh, data on that and and it's encouraging as far as the positivity rate it's very low and and they've done a good job uh the there's a couple hurdles remaining and that's making sure the tests come back in time they're they're getting tested every other day and and they should be getting the test results every other day so uh there that that isn't happening as often as it should be. There's some hiccups there, and and I think if that continues to happen in the regular season, that's going to lead to players that you know that may not be able to play on a day on a the day of a game because there there's a test pending. So that's not ideal, and they're trying to figure that out. They're they're saying that that will be taken care of. The other issue, of course, that that will pop up is. So what happens when these guys start traveling? They're they're going to start playing other teams. That starts tomorrow night with uh, the Cubs and the White Sox playing a game at Wrigley Field, playing a you know a exhibition game at Wrigley Field, and the Cubs have two more games after that. So we'll see how how that happens. If positive if positive tests uh, jump after that, uh, hopefully not. But yes, right now optimism is people are optimistic that. The season will start, and hopefully it'll complete. And, we'll, we'll, you know, the Cubs are right now, as far as positive tests and, and the way they're looking at it, they're, they're looking good. How has uh, media accessibility been, or has there been any? or how, And how will that work down the road? Yeah, it's not. Uh, it's certainly not like it was, and not that any of us expect it to be 
It's uh, basically, you know, there's a limited amount of people allowed in the press box. And honestly, going to the press box is more of uh, just having a quiet place to work uh, away from your own home uh, more than anything else because all the interviews are conducted via Zoom. Uh, there's plenty of, you know, there's the teams are doing their best to work with media, but it's just not a great situation. It's, it's you know, back, uh, you know, as recently as March, you just – Walked into the clubhouse. If there was someone you wanted to talk to, you built a relationship with them. You could, you could talk casually about things. You can talk on the record about things. Those, those off the record, those casual conversations, they're just not happening. And and that that makes our jobs a little more difficult. And that makes distributing the what's going on to you know sharing that with the fans a little more difficult. But it's still possible. You got to lean on your relationships. You got to. You gotta. You can't be afraid to text people that you've built a relationship with, or even that you haven't. That you have their phone number, and you just have to reach out. You know that's that's part of our job, and it's it, it, we'll figure out a way to make it work. It, it's not ideal, but hopefully clubhouses will open someday again. I don't see it happening soon, but uh, that that type of access just isn't happening. But there is something we we are getting to talk with players and media relations is being good about setting things up every day and making sure we get the manager and a couple players and maybe the GM or a coach uh, here and there. So, so it's, it's not like we're shut out. It's just a very different way of going about business. Well, this is Lauren. Uh, talk, let's just talk about the Cub infield. Is Baez still going to be at shortstop? What's going on with Rizzo's back? Uh, Bryant, you had a lot of hubbub about him earlier, who's going to be at second base. Just talk about the infield and where they are. Yeah, so right now, I mean, Baez is locked in at shortstop. He's arguably, in my opinion, one of the best defenders in baseball. If you ask me to list, you know, a top five, ten defenders in baseball, he'll, he'll be on that list. Uh, he's locked in there. He's, you know, all I've seen are inter-squad games, right? But he looks he looks good. Yesterday, I believe that he had three or four hits, a rocket home run. You know, this is this is basically a, a spring training, and so don't want to take too much away from that. But he looks like Javier Baez, a superstar. Uh, third base, of course, is manned by Bryant. He's not going anywhere. He he's always you know he's as productive as they come whenever he's healthy. Rizzo, the back is a question. I, I don't know when he's going to come back. There, there. This is something he's dealt with for as long as I can remember for the past past six seven years. It's a it's a thing that comes and goes. I think they're being extraordinarily cautious right now. I think uh, when he he swung the bat a couple days ago and the day after it didn't feel great, so they backed off. And he's just been tracking pitches since. Uh, really, just taking it day by day, seeing how it is. I, I'm not overly concerned there, but yes, you want him there to start the season. It's 60 games, it's 60 day, 60 game sprint. He's a great player. He's a great offensive player. He's a team leader. He's a rock at first base. You need him on the field. So hopefully, if he does miss games, it's a handful of them. You can't be without him for too long. Not in a season like this. In second base, they just added Kipnis to the 40 man roster. That means he's going to make the team out of out of this training camp, which was expected. They just had to adjust some things to make sure he was on the 40-man. Uh, it's going to be between him and Nico, I think. It, and I don't think it'll be like a straight platoon where Nico Horner is just playing against lefties. Uh, I expect them to really share the position, and and that the, they'll continue to develop Nico in a way, but also use him strategically. They they don't they're not going to ride him as the starter. Kipnis is going to play against a lot of mostly against righties. And then the lefties, Nico will probably get the starts against lefties, and he'll also get some starts against 
certain righties that he matches up against well because you have to continue to develop him. You can't just you cannot platoon him right now, and I don't think that's their plan. You just can't do that with a kid that at this age he's ready to play and he's and Kipnis even said we talked to him yesterday Kipnis said he's looked as good as anyone at this this training camp he's hitting the ball hard he's a contact hitter he's the type of bat they don't have a lot of in this organization and he does what they need on offense so I think I think you you have to play him as much as you can and I agree with what Kipnis said he's he's not hitting for power he's not driving the ball into over the fence but he is making consistent hard contact and that's a great sign. You, you want to see that from a young player with his t- skill set. Would you talk about the DH, and is it? do you think it's here to stay? I do think it's here to stay. I, I don't know if it'll be back in 2021 just because it's a negotiation thing that uh, – uh, that you know, and I don't trust uh, the Players Association and MLB to come to any sort of agreement, uh, you know, happily and easily. So I don't know what'll happen in twenty twenty one, but it, it, it's I, I think beyond once they do the new CBA, it'll be part of the new CBA. Uh, but it's definitely here for this season, and I think it's here for the future of baseball. I think what, what you'll see this year with the Cubs is. Schwarber will get uh, a solid amount, but it won't just be him. Everybody just assumes, oh, he's a bad defender, put him at the DH. I don't think he's as bad a defender as some people say, but I also think he's probably their least productive defensive uh, outfielder. So you're going to see Souza out in left field. Maybe you put Happ in left field at times and have uh, and have Almora in center. You can do different alignments uh, depending on how things shake up with the matchups and whatnot. Another guy that this is this is going to depend on Rizzo being healthy, in my opinion, perhaps. But you need to see Victor. Car- you're going to see Victor Caratini get more at bats. Uh, you're you're going to see Wilson Contreras on maybe on days that you Darvish is Darvish is pitching and Caratini's catching him. Wilson Contreras will get the DH spot. Uh, even Souza will get the DH spot. But I think that's kind of the bulk of where the DH will come. And then, and I think you know if if. Uh, someone like Nico or Kipnis are hitting really well. They're in a zone and, and uh, Ross wants to put them in the lineup and have the other at second. That could make sense as well. But I don't think he's locked into one person. Uh, he's, he said he's not locked into one person there and he's going to, he's also going to play the hot hand in a sense. He's going to trust what he sees. If he, if someone, if the matchup says this guy is, needs to be in the lineup and, and, and he wants to put him at DH, he's going to do that. He's going to trust matchups, and he's going to say, this guy's just hitting the ball well right now. I want him in the lineup. Your thoughts on the Cubs' uh, starting rotation? My general thought is that's my biggest concern uh, for this team. I, I think that the bullpen is going to end up being a positive. I really like uh, how they went with the bulk approach, and they can kind of mix and match and, and see who's pitching well and maximize those guys in various spots that stretch guys out to have to be able to pitch two, three innings. I think I trust Kyle Hendricks, and I, and I truly believe you, Darvish, is going to have a great season. I, I believe those two things. I, you know, I, I, I pull back a little bit on Darvish because of what's happened uh, you know, with the shutdown and the weird circumstances. If it was a normal season, I, I believe right now we'd be talking about, uh, you know, you Darvish having just pitched in the All-Star game. That's what I, re- I really believe that. I just don't know how much uh, the time off and all that will will impact him. But he's looked solid. Hendricks has looked great and just looks like he's ready to go out there and, and pitch like it's the regular season. Lester had a bad uh, day uh, last night. He 
he didn't look good. Everything was getting hit hard. But I also don't freak out about exhibition uh, moments for John Lester because I know he works on stuff. He get he builds himself up. He's looked terrible uh, in spring trainings of past and then come out great during the regular season. So I, I trust that he I, – I know not to take too much away from – uh, anything that's not uh, a real game with John Lester, but I also know that he's 36 years old on the downside of his career, and it could go either way with him. After that, I have a lot of questions, and that's why I'm a little bit concerned. Uh, I don't know what Tyler Chatwood's going to do. I don't know what Alec Mills is going to do. I know they have the talent to go out there and be productive pitchers. I also know that there's no guarantee there, and then once you start talking, going after them, it's it's it, we come back to the lack of depth issues that the Cubs have had in starting pitching for years now. Uh, Colin Ray, uh, Edbert Alzali. I mean, these guys are solid pitchers, but I don't know if they're going to be the type that uh, impact the rotation in a really positive manner. So there's a lack of depth there, and if things go sideways this season for the Cubs, I think that's where where they really get sunk. Go ahead, Lord. Yeah, I, I'm wondering about the marquee network. Those of us down here like to watch the Cubs on TV, and, and we need sure. most many of us have Comcast. What uh, What's the status of that? Are they still negotiating? Yeah, they're still negotiating. Latest we know, latest we've heard, is that they expect something to be done by opening day. I think the <laughs> team was on the radio the other day. Uh, being so bold as to say he, he was very confident it would happen. They, they, they've been uh, coming across as very optimistic that something would get done by opening day. I, I understand fans uh, being upset about that, being frustrated by that. I, I wish there was a way for this to, uh, to, to you know, for them to, to ease their stress about that and guarantee that it would be done. I, negotiations never work out uh, that way, though. They, they just don't. I think having a deadline of opening day that's that's always the thing that that speeds up negotiations having that firm day so it's if if it's not done by opening day i'd be a little surprised but i also wouldn't i, I wouldn't be shocked because these things just sometimes don't go well and we've, we saw it with the, the mlb uh, players association uh negotiations to get this season going so uh, everything is up in the air sometimes, and, and I don't trust negotiations to go smoothly, but I also think having a firm deadline helps things uh, kind of get get to a place where it's like, okay, we, we they, my my guess is they have like little details that they're trying to finalize type thing, and, and those things usually get figured out when you have that hard deadline. Uh, when the team is on the road, will you travel uh, as a representative of the athletic? Will you go to the games, or are you going to Stay home and watch them on TV. What what's the situation that way? Yeah, you're. We're allowed to travel. Uh, it's a it's a little more complicated process than it was in the past as far as getting approval for all that, and and sometimes the value isn't as as tremendous as it was in the past. But I right now I'm planning on traveling, splitting. I have a partner that also covers the team with me, and and we'll we'll split travel, and you know I think we'll. We'll attempt to go to uh, – the plan right now is to go to the 30 games, but we're not flying. We're driving, so some of those games is uh, uh, may not be worth the, the drive. Like a two-game set in Kansas City may not be worth the drive out there, but uh, most of the others are very doable and reasonable, and, and we'll have enough time to get out there and, and not uh, you know be rushing to the ballpark type situation. So, yeah, the, right now that's the plan. It's the same situation as far as – access goes uh as it is at home 
so it's it's not it's not great, not not the best way to do my job, but it's also uh, you know it, it, there are some benefits to getting out on the road. One last question from me: uh, the, the the we're used to the Central Division. We know those rivalries. How do you see? Uh, explain a little better the way it's set up this year. Yeah, so it's 40 games against the NL Central and 20 games against the AL Central. Uh, it's it, it's pretty it's evenly distributed as, between the NL Central teams, uh, but it's not evenly distributed between the AL Central teams, uh, which is which isn't ideal for the Cubs because they have to play the White Sox, who are expected to be a better team. And I, I don't expect them to be great because I have questions about their pitching, just like I do about the Cubs pitching, but. Uh, they, that's that's not they don't get to play Detroit or Kansas City for more games like uh, I believe Cincinnati plays Detroit uh, for the the bulk of their AL Central games or a large amount of their AL Central games and that's that's a boon to them that's that that's going to help them because Detroit's not going to be good mm-hmm. uh, Detroit may be good in two or three years because they got a ton of young talent in the minor leagues but I don't see those guys coming up this year and if they do I'm not sure how much of a you know immediate impact they'll have. Uh, so, so that's it's not ideal for the Cubs in that sense, but they do get extra games this season that they wouldn't have against teams like Kansas City and Detroit. So, that overall, it's going to it should help their record. If you're not cleaning up against those teams, that's uh, you know that's a black mark on your record. And same with Pittsburgh, you got to beat up on Pittsburgh, you got to beat up on Kansas City and Detroit, and you got to try and and and, and you know. Uh, Find a way to win those other games. This is, every series is going to feel huge. I think this year. I think uh, Jed Hoyer was talking about the other day. It's like every game is worth two point seven games. So think about one game as a series, essentially. And that's you know they're opening up against the Brewers. The Brewers have been a thorn in their side lately, and and they need to they need to find a way to to win those games and come out on top more often than not against a scrappy team like the Brewers. I look at the Brewers every year and I say the Cubs are more talented than this team. In the past two years, the Brewers have come out on top. So there's something to be said for the ability of Craig Council to manage that team, maximize that team's talent, and really utilize his roster to the best of its ability. David Ross needs to figure out a way to do that, especially when he has a 30-man roster for the first two weeks. It's going to be fun here. Uh, this time next week you'll be talking about actual games. Isn't <laughs> That's it? right. Yes. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that, and I'm, uh, I'm I'm ready to break down some real baseball. Really see how it goes. Obviously, it's my job. It's my passion. So uh, not having that ability to do it for the past few months has been uh, frustrating at best. Uh, and and it's the uh, you know. Even with everything that's going on in the country and and the concerns that I legitimate concerns I and many others have about this season, I, I it is a nice escape to to watch some baseball to get to the park. Hopefully, they can pull this season off and we have you know sixty games and a full playoffs to to break down and talk about because it's it is it's, it's fun to do and it, and the players I can tell when they're on the field it is a bit of an escape for them. They've said as much, so it's it hopefully you know. Everything goes smoothly, and we have a season. Well, good stuff. We appreciate your time, and if you don't mind, we'll check in with you uh, somewhere along the way once they get started. Of course. Happy to do so. Thank you. Yeah, great job. Thank S- you. Sahad of Sharman from The Athletic in Chicago with us here on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk, 1034. Open line the rest of the way if you'd like to join us, 356-9397. We're back with more after this. Ten thirty-seven. 
lot of my fellow Saturday sports talk. Had that uh, hailstorm last weekend. Hit our place pretty hard. And uh, had the folks from Milan Ipella come out and check out my windows and screens, which were, screens were destroyed. Screens took a lot of beating with those. Looked like a machine gun. <laughs> you ain't kidding. Driving range uh, after that. And it was, it was quite unique. But they had a guy out there uh, Monday morning uh, looking around our condo situation. And uh, they're the people to call if you have some window questions or uh, anything from the storm. Or maybe that reminded you you might be looking for... Uh, for new windows, they've got a great line of window products called the Lifestyle Series. You can see them by stopping by at uh, 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign and uh, check everything out there. It's, uh, the uh, Lifestyle uh, Series are wood windows and patio doors providing outstanding sound control and energy efficiency. They've got the whole line there. And their hours are uh, Monday through Friday, 8 to 5. Or you can call for more information, 356-6474. Or check out their website, PellaOfChampagne.com. Mike Mary, Quentin Troy, Pete Peters, Dave Rollins, Luke Mary, Troy Bowman over in Danville, all standing by to serve you. And uh, they're on the job and uh, pretty much back to normal business hours. And that uh, storm certainly uh, made them a little bit uh, busier this past week. Phone line is open, 356-9397. Some preseason honors announced by... Uh, some folks uh, concerning uh, Big Ten football. Phil Steele puts out a magazine every year, and he picked uh, Blake Hayes as a third-team All-American punter and first-team All-Big Ten punter. Other uh, Illini players are recognized on Phil Steele's preseason All-Big Ten team. Jake Hansen, linebacker, second team. Doug Kramer and Alex Palcheski, third-team offensive lineman. Uh, Kendrick Green, fourth-team Milo Eifler, a fourth-team linebacker, and Sidney Brown, a fourth-team safety. How do you leave Bebe off that list? I don't know. That's a good question. Is he their best – I shouldn't say best player. Blake Hayes is their best player. Jake Hansen certainly deserves any recognition he gets. And all those linemen, they've got the linemen out of order. Green is their best lineman, isn't he? I think so. Best, and, certainly and he, best They got prospect. him below Palszewski and Kramer. But uh, the Illinois uh, offensive line is ranked very high in the Big Ten, mainly because of the experience. But uh, we did learn uh, offensively that uh, Cerny won't be back. He's been kind of what I would call the sixth man of the offensive line. Uh, He's not returning uh, for his final year. And Smalling has uh, had some problems, and I guess he won't be back among the receivers. So those last two are unofficial. You just heard it here, but uh, it'll be all confirmed later. And we'll see how things play out between now and then. But some of the preseason awards coming out. I haven't seen too many preseason uh, rankings yet, uh, but I haven't picked up many of the magazines. Have you? Well, no, I haven't picked up many of the magazines, and I will do that. But, I I mean, it's just guesswork right now, really, truly. We don't even know who we're playing. You know, how can you judge – how can you evaluate teams when you don't know who they're going to play? <laughs> yeah, and then the basketball guys are getting set to – do the same thing, and they don't know who's coming back, who's staying in the transfer portal, who's That's going right. pro, who's not. That's right. And and so, you know, it, it's all a guess right now. But Illinois will not be ranked ahead of Iowa. They won't be ranked ahead of Wisconsin. You know, they, the teams in our division, uh, Illinois still down the line. 
and playing Ohio State this year, if that game is, is still scheduled, I mean, we are scheduled against Ohio State, that doesn't mean that couldn't change, but uh, uh, we haven't even seen the schedule, the new schedule yet. But uh, Illinois is up against it right now uh, uh, in terms of the schedule because they had it laid out so perfectly before. If, if you and I were going to lay out a schedule, we couldn't have done it any better in terms of trying to get wins, and now that's all gone. Yeah, it was three uh, very winnable non-conference games, and then the Big Ten opener at Rutgers, and then the second Big Ten game at Nebraska. And Nebraska is really an iffy team right now. Nobody knows what to think. You know, they they have that tremendous fan base, and and who knows how many they'll allow in their stadium out there. I don't know. It'll be different from Illinois because they'll have different rules. But uh, Nebraska has is has lost. 23 of their last 36 games. Now, that's a lot of losses, Steve, no matter what you say. I mean, whatever you think about how good they are, you know, the, the, the record speaks for itself. And they've had more people leave this offseason than I can ever remember anybody losing. I mean, they've, they've had a lot of players just not return. Now, by the same token, most of the players who leave most of them are guys that maybe wouldn't have played anyway. So that, that's, a, that's a bad thing to try to make a judgment on. Nebraska's going to have to put uh, an asterisk in their record book because they've got a sellout record of 360 straight games or something, <laughs> some number like that. Maybe it will still be considered a sellout because they sold all the tickets they could sell. Well, uh, let's wait and see what yeah. happens. But I, you're, you're, you could be right about that. I don't know. I don't know their limitations right now based on their state, you know, their governor's decision, but I do know that they're going to have more people in the stands than we are. I know that. Did well, you see those numbers, though, this week about uh, the amount of money that schools, Illinois took in $11,800 in football ticket sales, 11800 Ohio State took in 56, or what was the number, over $50,000. dollars Million. Million. million, excuse me, 50 million. We took in 11.8 million. They took in 50-some million. In ticket sales. Yeah. And, and uh, Michigan and it was way up there, too, and Nebraska were way up there in those numbers. Well, all those places seat 90,000, and in two cases, over 100,000. And Ohio State was talking about maybe a crowd of somewhere around twenty-five to 30,000, which would be about 20% of... What they've got, I, I had not heard the Michigan fifty percent thing. I, yeah, I don't. I, I don't know if that, if that's accurate or not. No, but. it's probably not. I just something I saw on yeah. uh, on uh, Twitter, probably just talking about what they could do. I do know that in in Iowa they were talking about numbers in that general category: twenty thousand season tickets at Iowa State with eight thousand more on top of that. So that would be about half of their stadium, nearly half. Right. Three five six nine three nine seven is the phone number if you'd like to jump in. We've got an open line going till 11 o'clock today with baseball scheduled to start uh, next week on Thursday and uh, with a couple of games on Thursday and then more action on Friday. The Cubs and the Cardinals both open up on Friday next week. If you have any comments on that, feel free to join us. We'll take a time out right now and be back with more Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk after this. Moving up on 1047 here on the show with you until 11 o'clock with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. 
on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Phone line is open, 356-9397. Mr. Tate, always with a column in the uh, Sunday paper. We'll talk about that in a moment. But first, let's go back to the phones and say good morning to Chuck. What do you say, Chuck? Hi. Uh, I would like to know how competitive do you think the Illini football and basketball program is going to be this year? Well, uh, first of all, the football team is going to be the best team that they've had in okay. certainly under Lovey and certainly under the previous coach, I would guess, the previous coaches, uh, I, would, I would think, because they've got 20-plus seniors. They've got a great kicking game. Both wow. Their, both their punter is, is a third-team All-American, and their kicker, McCord, is just outstanding. He won games last year for them. And uh, Jake Hansen will, will head up a really good uh, linebacking, I think a good linebacking group. Uh, the offensive line is intact for the almost the fourth year. I, I'm stretching oh, okay. it. Okay. Uh, so and the quarterback. I, the most important thing of all is the fact Peters is back at quarterback, and he's had a year under his belt. That's good. And, and each of the last two quarterbacks we've had have been yeah. have been uh, first year guys. You know that. So Illinois should be competitive in football, but at the same time, not necessarily better than many of the teams they'll play in their own division. Basketball, is, we, I can't answer that until I know what Iowa and Kofi uh, are doing. Are we only playing conference teams this year? So, yes, in football, yes. Okay, okay. Um, that's all I got to ask. Okay, thank you. Yep, Chuck, thanks for the thanks. call. We appreciate it. If you'd like to join us, you've got another 10 minutes or so, three five six nine three nine seven. You know, with everything going on, uh, the U of I still had a pretty good uh, fundraising year. In yeah. uh, f- fiscal year 2020, 45 million. Yeah, that uh, and second highest some, year. some of that's cash, some of that's promises, and some of that's in kind, like the Atkins uh, yes. land. gift on land. Yeah, I mean uh, the the Stone Creek. So, um, but it is uh, impressive to me. But I, I I wonder now. Here's here's what I wonder. This is this is ending as of June the 30th. Which means that most of that, most of those gifts were given when things were still normal. Now the tough part is doing that again, repeating that when things are not normal. And I just, you know, there does have to be people. Maybe I'm wrong about this, but there have to be people who are kind of pulling back a little bit uh, as far as their ability to donate if they're not making as much money as they have been accustomed to making. You know, and. I don't know if that's true or not, but I would certainly be skeptical about the ability to, to do this again. I saw an interesting um, report done by ESPN.com on the number of high-profile football and basketball coaches who have yet to mm-hmm. experience any pay reduction or have volunteered well, to most do that. Well, most of all of them are voluntary, I think. I think most of them are, you know, they sit down with the athletic director and say, hey, well, look, we got to do this. I'm going right. to, Bart has given up 30% of his uh, money in, in Iowa, 30% of his salary. But and, uh, some and guys Sarah, like Nick Saban and mm-hmm. John Calipari, they, they're not at this point. Well, Saban's running a tight ship there. I mean, he doesn't, he's not getting much money, is he? I mean, <laughs> same same with he, Calipari. How can he afford to give up 10% of it? Of, of all of 10 million uh, eight or nine million <laughs> yeah but that, that was interesting and uh, the big 10 conference i think it was uh, nine out of uh, the 14 um 
football and basketball coaches are both uh, doing that. So it's uh, it was just something uh, worth reading. And what's your column uh, tomorrow going to be about, Mr. Tate? I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> he, he writes them, files them away, and forgets about them. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm not very good at talking about my columns, <laughs> but I I did write about the fact that uh, you know that at this. The goal of the athletic department has always been, and they've always they've generally accomplished this, to to meet to make ends meet financially, because, and and usually the the overseer, which is the university, and they back everything that the athletic department does. I mean, their the athletic department is is one of their departments, but uh, it's it's been un, unlikely that they'd ever have to dig into university funds uh, because they've always been able to to have normal seasons. Uh, this may not be the case this year. In fact, it will not be the case this year. And uh, what happens now when all of a sudden you can't pay your bills? And, you know, they've got a 20, about a $22 million ongoing annual debt service that they have to pay. And of course, and then you got the scholarships, and you got the games that you have to put on. And salaries are just tremendous. Um, so, uh, what happens there? And, and I discuss that. I mean, just it, it'll be the. It won't be the first time that they've ever had to go into public funds. Uh, the truth of it is that they've. There, there are certain things that uh, that they pay out of public funds already, which is, for instance, the retirement money for the people who. Uh, step down from the athletic department, they get a, they get a stipend. I mean, a, a retirement uh, amount for the rest of their lives, and that doesn't come from the from the athletic department. That comes from the university. So they, when you say that they operate entirely without tax funds, that's not entirely true. It's basically true, and they got a system that's working. But that system is going to be tested this year. You also talked uh, this week uh, briefly with Jim Phillips, U of I graduate. Yeah, he wanted to come on with us today, Steve, but something came up. I mean, he's a busy guy. Talk about being a busy guy. Every every AD is busy, certainly most of the time, especially in the last three or four months. But he has been on the basketball committee for a while, and and he's going to be the chair of the selection committee for the 21-22 season coming up. So he's going to get busier. Yeah, Uh, he... um He's been on a number of NCA committees already, and he's one of the powerhouses in 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 sports right now, and and certainly in the Big Ten. And I think was under serious consideration for the uh, commissionership when Delaney stepped down, that went to Kevin Warren. But I think he was he might have been the next guy in line. I I maybe they didn't maybe the, the university maybe the people that made this decision didn't want to take somebody out of a. One of the one of the schools, I don't know, but Jimmy would have been a tremendous uh, guy for for the commissionership, in my opinion, and uh, so he'll he'll continue at, at Northwestern, and probably that's where he's going to spend his career. We've had him on the show a few times, and uh, we're looking forward to having him again. We'll we'll get that done. Yeah, he said he'd come on. It's just something came up last night. He sure. Contacted me last night and said he just couldn't do it, and. And I know that he's he's busy all the time. I said Jimmy shouldn't be working on sun, on Saturday, and he said, "Well, he's wor- he said he's worked harder the last five months than he's ever worked in his life." I bet just about every AD can say that. Yep. It is ten fifty-five. We'll take one final break here on 
Illini Fellow Saturday Sports Talk. Be back with some final words after this. Well, we only have three minutes left because Lauren decided to serenade Ed Bond and me in the studio. No repetition of that. You're not going to put that on the air? No, sir. <laughs> he can dance, but he can't sing. Or he can sing, but he can't dance, or maybe he can't do either one. <laughs> There's a good chance I can't do either one. So see? how excited are you for baseball season? Well, not as excited as, as I would normally be. I, I'm, I, I think I just kind of got quieted down on it. I'll be watching when it starts, though. I will. Uh, but um, I, I just think that they, they messed the whole thing up, and they kind of discouraged me with their negotiating and, and, and some, of the, some of the reports that I got out about why they were so hesitant. How do you feel about it? I'm ready to see some live action. I'm, I'm mad at the owners. I'm mad at the players, both. But I will watch. I, I, and I'm going to send in a big picture of you, one of those fathead things yeah. that they're going to put out in right field stands at Bush Stadium. Okay. Or maybe right behind home plate. <laughs> okay. Would you like to look at that on the TV to see you sitting back there? I don't think so. I don't want to see that on TV. No. Some uh, some ball clubs are talking about doing that. You could buy, if you're a season ticket holder, they take a picture of you and put it up I'll in the I'll tell you stands. what, I've got a little more interest this year, and I'm way behind, but I'm going to watch it. I'm going to catch up on the White Sox. I think they've got a, I think they've got a chance to be pretty good. I don't know how good their pitching is. I know that the Cardinals are just 100% dependent on pitching. Uh, but um, I, I think the White Sox uh, could make it in, and they play the Cubs a lot of games, and I'll watch those. I'll always watch a White Sox-Cub game. You can watch one tonight if you can find it. I'd, yeah, if I could find it. I guess it might be on somewhere. I don't know for sure, but they're playing a, an exhibition game tonight. The Cardinals are playing a couple of exhibition games against mm-hmm. other teams, Yeah, playing the Twins. and uh, Actually, they're playing Kansas City Wednesday. Of course, they play Kansas City during the regular season, too. But they're going to play them a game Wednesday afternoon at Bush Stadium. So there's some baseball to watch even before the season opens. So. Well, there's one other thing that's coming up here, Steve, that we haven't talked about, and, I, and I'll just mention it, that, that uh, name, image, likeness uh, ruling uh, is going to be presented to Congress. So what they need is a national rule to, uh, ex- to clarify what players can and cannot do uh, all their earnings must be public. They can have agents. This is as of January the 1st. They're trying to get this thing organized so that by January 1st, members of the basketball team, Kofi, for example, could, uh, could, could earn money uh, with just maybe signing whatever, signing autographs or whatever. Something else to keep our eye on. We appreciate you joining us today on the Line I Fellow Saturday Sports Talk. We'll be back with you again next week from 9 to 11 right here on News Talk 1400 WDWS Champaign-Urbana. For Lauren Tate, I'm Steve Kelly. Appreciate it. Talk to you soon. Have a good weekend.